What's up, our little true crime addicts? It's Megan and Grace, and this is That's So Criminal. What's up, guys? We're back. And back is better than ever. Yes. Away from the toy box killer. Moving on to somebody worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. Moving on to somebody. Actually, I was going to say worse, but honestly, they're pretty much like equally horrible people. Oh, so great. <laughs> so, yay. Love it. Sorry to everybody else who listened to me today. I sound really sick. I have like no voice, really. So, RIP. Yeah, Grace um, has a little sore throat. She was at, you were at a tournament, right? And you were like, you you were yelling, you were yelling, and she lost her voice, basically. So we love that. So sorry to all of you, but good thing is you get to predominantly listen to Megan today. Yes, because it's my story. Well, it's not my story, but you know, it's the one I'm going to tell. (laughs) Um, So I actually got this, God, what is in my throat, dude? I got this idea because I was looking through you guys' like DMs and, um, emails and stuff and miss morgan wardrop i think i said that right i'm gonna cry if i didn't say that right yeah morgan wardrop gave me this idea and she was like she was like you should do todd colehap the amazon review killer and i was like oh my god i totally should so i looked it up and i was like oh my gosh this man is actual demon okay we love all of your suggestions too it's so cool yeah 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 we love it and it's helpful by the way like I know that like we might not respond like super quickly or sometimes we might like see it and then never get to respond for a while but like it does help because we are looking at them you know we put them all in a little a little uh metaphorical jar yeah (laughs) metaphorical jar with a metaphorical key yes so we love that. But I'm excited to hear this case because, like, Megan and I were saying, you guys all know those true crime cases that you like, oh, I've heard of that, but I can't quite, like, f- figure out what it is in my brain that I know about it. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I am super excited. So um, seeing as we don't have too much to talk about because we are, once again, boring people. Um, Correct. <laughs> Might as well just get into it. Um, I think this is going to be a two-parter. Ooh. I'm pretty sure it is. So we're just going to go with that. We're going to go with we're, we're going we're gonna to go with the fact that it is. Okay, y'all. So, all right, let's get straight into it. Because Grace, you don't have anything else to talk about, right? No, I'm boring. <laughs> we're honestly both really, really boring. Okay. Okay. All right, folks. So our story starts on November 3rd, 2016. The Spartanburg County Police discovered a ping from two missing person cell phones that placed these phones in a specific area, like around them. They were like, oh my gosh, these people have been missing and their phones are pinging like in this area. What the heck? 
So, these cell phones belonged to Kyla Brown and her boyfriend, Charles Carver. Now, they had been missing since August 31st of that year. So, it's now November 3rd. They had been missing since August 31st. So, a few months. Now, when the police got to the property where the phones pinged, they began to hear banging from a metal shipping container on the property. Now, this property was a 95-acre piece of land, okay? So, it's huge, right? And on the property, I think this is just, like, super eerie. There is just a two-story shed that is kind oh. of, like, I saw pictures of it, and it's pretty, like, run down, too. Like, it's it's not, like, a nice shed. It's this, like, crappy two-story shed. There's, like, a small garage-looking building next to it. And then there is just this dirty shipping container also on the property. So when they're when they get there and they're looking around because because they're like the phones pinged here, they start hearing like banging on the shipping container, like as if yeah. someone is inside. Banging. The whole thing is like a no to me. Shipping <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm good. No, literally. Mm-mm. I know, right? Like this entire scene just screams like immediately no (laughs) literally bye i know i know so obviously the authorities immediately do what they got to do and they check inside and what they found inside this trip the shipping container is absolutely Mm -hmm. terrible also quick little fun fact it like i saw a picture because i was looking at images and stuff like that and there is five different locks on the shipping container. Like when they ran over to to the where they heard the metal banging, there was literally five locks on this. Like obviously someone was like, "No, I don't want you to get in here," and also someone was like, "I don't want anyone inside to get out." Like, yeah, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, what they found was thirty-year-old Kala Brown chained by the neck and ankles. There was. There's a person in this container? Yes. Oh. Yes. The chain was connected to the wall, and she had been there for about two months, because that's Kyle Brown, the girl that was, like, missing, and that she, like, it was her phone that pinged there. Goodbye. I know. I know, right? So, obviously, she was, of course, immediately taken to the hospital, and when they asked about her boyfriend, Charles Carver, she said that she watched as the man who had kidnapped her shot and killed him. Yes. So Charles Carver was, he was only 32 years old. And Kala explains that she and her boyfriend, Charles, had been hired to do some work on this man's property. But -hmm. when they had gotten there, they were attacked. Now, the man who had killed Carver and kidnapped Kala had killed before and the property where they found Kala belonged to a man named Todd Christopher Kolhep and when the police looked into this man they found way more than they thought that they would so we're going to come back to this day that Todd is arrested because we're going to go and just kind of talk about Todd now because This day, like, what is happening right now is literally only scratching the surface of this horrible man's crimes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, he's an absolute monster. Okay. 
<laughs> Grace, Grace is like, I'm getting ready. I'm having a hard time processing. I'm yeah. still stuck. I, like, was kept inside of a shipping container for two months. Yeah. Like, so claustrophobic. I, mm-mm. No. No, literally. <laughs> and she was, no. I'll talk about it a little more later, too, but she was chained by, like, the wrists, ankles, and then there were times where she was chained by the neck, like, to the wall, kind of like Cynthia from... Yeah, I was just thinking about this. This is weirdly mirroring Cynthia, like, well, just the Toy Box Killer in general, to yeah. an extent. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's just, you will, we'll get into it more later, kind of about, like, what happens to her and, like, her story, but it's just, mm-hmm. just awful. So, Todd Kolhep was born as Todd Christopher Samsell on March 7th, 1971. That's, that's an interesting... <laughs> What's funny is I, like, I was reading it and I heard you go, that's, and I knew you were about to be like, that's, not, I don't like that name. <laughs> we know each other too well, like, okay. Yeah. So he was born on March 7th, 1971 to Regina Tagg and William Samsell. He was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I've been to Fort Lauderdale, by the way. I do like it there. Less now that I know that he was born there. But (laughs) Now, his parents divorced when he was only two years old, and he was raised by his mother, Regina Tagg, and stepfather, Carl Kohlhepp, in South Carolina and Georgia. Now, apparently he had step-siblings, too, but I couldn't really find anything on them. So I think he, I think he did have step-siblings, like, like, all <clears throat> kids, but, like, it wasn't a thing because they don't, they're not really a part of the story. So just letting y'all know. Growing up, Todd displayed a lot of, like, extremely disturbing behavior. Like, it was bad. Like, he was known, he was known as a bully, and he was known as the kind of bully that would, like, destroy others' school projects, and, like, would get kicked out of Boy Scouts for bad behavior. The kind of bullies that you see in these, like, horrible, cheesy TV shows. You know, where you're, like, walking down the hallway. And then, like, this kid just, like, slaps the books out of your hands. And it's like, loser. <laughs> oh, my gosh, right? And there's, like, six teachers in the hall. <laughs> yes. Literally, yes. And then, and you're always like, that doesn't happen. But, like, that was Todd. Oh, okay. All right. So we love that. We love that. So obviously he was a, he was a school bully, you know, being mean to kids and all that stuff. But he also showed like even more sinister behavior. So that's never good. Um, behavior like like killing a, his goldfish with bleach. Um. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Um, apparently he. I, I don't know if he either like poured bleach into the like fishbowl or if he just like got another bowl and then poured bleach in it and then put the goldfish in it like it's it's animal cruelty is what it is um yeah. that's horrible and even worse this one I literally was like I don't I almost like stopped reading more but Wait, he how old is he again at this point he's like mm, nine okay all he's right like nine ten eight nine ten in that range yeah, it's bad. <laughs> so, um, he also shot his neighbor's dog with a BB gun. 
I am not going on that because I actually, I don't know if I even ever told you that I had somebody shoot my dog with a BB gun. Wait, wait, I feel like you may have mentioned this at some point. I feel like I definitely did because I was like brought over it as one would be. But yeah, we came, it was like laying down and he had like three BBs in him. It was like horrible. That's terrible. Like, it's just cruel. <laughs> no, that is, that's horrible. And and it's just like, what what I don't get is kind of, what does that do for you? Like, why do you think that? You're just sick. I mean, honestly, I'm like, I, ugh, I can't imagine being a parent and being like, oh, my child just did that. Literally, literally. And I mean, don't shoot anyone with any kind of gun ever or any and don't shoot anything with any kind of gun ever. But like, it just hurts me when it's like animals because they are not hurting. They're not trying to hurt you ever. You know what I mean? Like, well, not ever, but like, okay, good point. Good point. But like, well, like it's just his neighbor's dog chilling in the yard. You yeah. know what I mean? You're essentially shooting like a toddler, something that can't. Oh, I mean. So sad. Like, just don't mess with doggos, please. Or any other, any other animal. But like, doggos have this like soft spot in my heart. That pointing weapons at people. I don't know. That's a, that's a thought. Yeah. So his mom later talks about his terrible behavior saying quote i got after him for cloroxing the goldfish i said what made you think you can do that he just looked at me and said i didn't want him anymore unquote oh my okay (laughs) yeah so what's interesting and i guess ironic is that right here he tells his mom like well i didn't want him anymore so i killed him and i kind of feel like that later goes along with some of his like even worse crimes kind of like goes into that mindset didn't need him anymore so i killed him you know yeah so that's fun we got more to look forward to folks now his mom regina tag says that even in nursery school he was just a really messed up kid like he would throw things when he didn't get what he wanted um and he would shove others down when he was angry like he just never knew how to control his emotions even from primary school nursery school like he never ever was taught or shown how to process anger and process hurt and anything And I'm not giving him an excuse, but like, you know, the kid, I can, I can look at this kid and say, okay, this young child was never shown proper, like, ways to basically control himself and how he's feeling, you know? Was he born again? He was born in 1971. Which, like, even still today, we are, like, just now in, like, 2023 scratching the surface of, like, trying to create more, like, like sensitive and like emotionally aware men and I back then it was just even with women like you didn't talk about your feelings you didn't talk about how you were struggling mentally and it just exacerbated that so much oh 100 percent, it did you know and yeah it's hard and like you said even today it's hard to do it's hard to control your emotions and your anger so yeah Back then, especially when you're not getting the help you need. And we later kind of learned that he didn't have the best home life either. So, yeah. So, one of his neighbors actually described him as, quote, 
the devil on a chain. Oh. <laughs> I just felt, I just okay. felt like it kind of made me feel for him a little bit just because, I mean, I'm not giving him any excuse for like shooting dogs and all that stuff, but it did make but me feel for him. Like, he's a child who is like clearly reaching out for help again, not excusing his actions because like hurting somebody that's like never okay. But like also, wow, can you imagine that young in that age where you're like, I have no idea what to do. I can't talk about this. I don't, A, I'm like nine or 10. I don't even know what's happening to begin with. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, exactly. Um, and at nine years old, Todd was even placed in the Georgia Mental Health Hospital for treatment at nine years old. That's it's, so sad. Yeah, it's sad. His parents were like, um, yeah, no, we're going to put you in a home because I just, I don't know what to do I don't and his his mom later does talk about the fact like she was like I literally didn't know what to do I, th- I felt like I tried everything so apparently one time according to his mom again Regina Tag there was a girl at school that made him mad and he used scissors to get back at her um no yeah so Regina says quote he stabbed her in the leg not much it didn't go deep unquote um (laughs) ma'am i don't care how deep he stabbed the girl you don't do that okay you just don't do it apparently he was mad todd was mad at her because he didn't like him back or she she didn't like him back or something like that which cry me a river yeah cry me river exactly now this will come back again this will come back. You, he has so many reoccurring problems. This man is the definition of history re- repeats itself, literally. So I listened to quite a few um, interviews and like clips of his mom talking about his behavior problems. And she says that she tried to help his anger when he was younger, but just like nothing seemed to help. She tried to try to understand him where he was coming from, but like literally she she just kept saying like I nothing I was doing was helping it just seemed like everything I did made him angrier made him worse that's sad I know now as Kolhap got older he seemed to absolutely despise his stepfather and when I say older he is now around 13 all of these changes and you're also like a shithead already so yeah, and 13, that's the peak of, that's best preteen. That's right when you're like, wow, I'm going through puberty and I'm just going to hate on everyone right now. I'm in, a, I'm in a dark place, you know? So because of all his misbehaving, I read from a few sources um, that his stepfather and his grandfather would beat him a lot. And mm. they would... They would beat him, which is never okay. Their, their like, excuse was, like, well, he misbehaved so much. Like, he would do bad things. So that was their punishment, which is never okay. Um, so I guess, like, my I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, it's not just, like, they didn't beat him just, like, for fun. They were doing it because they were, like, that's punishment. Yeah. Like, that's even, but, like, that's also never okay. You know what I mean? But what's really sad is um, his grandfather would beat him with a cattle prod. What, like, what is up with people and using cattle, cattle- 
No, literally. I'm asking people that when I meet them, do you own a cattle prod? Oh, yes, we can no longer be friends. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry, but no. Yeah, because remember in um, the Toy Box Killer, it was similar. They uh, didn't Cindy Hindi hit Cynthia with a cattle prod? Yep. So that's incredibly horrible and just it's just like how are you okay with that like how are you sitting there and you're 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 beating this child because he is he's a he's a child with a cattle prod and you're just like yep this is correct this is supposed to happen i just yeah i would i just can't understand it um so obviously this would make complete sense as to why todd absolutely despised his stepfather carl and his grandfather because they beat him. So at some point um, during this time when he was like 13 or so, 12, 12, 13, I think, but in that time zone, his biological father, William Samsell, actually showed up. Oh. Yes. New characters entering the group chat. Okay. Yes. So um, I guess I, I don't know. Okay. So I did tell you guys, he, Carl, like, Carl, Regina, and um, Todd, they all live in South Carolina right now. Mm -hmm. So that's where they all are. So William Samsell shows up in South Carolina. Now remember, he, like, William left when Todd was two years old, and he has not seen him or heard from him or anything since. Like, literally, yeah. Yeah. So when William shows up in South Carolina, he kind of visits with, you know, with Todd a little bit. And after he leaves, Todd is like, that's it. I want to go live with my biological father in Tempe, Arizona. No, that's a bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah. And his mother also thought so. So his mom was like, um, I really don't want you to do that because you just have so many issues. And, oh. and like, she, I don't know if she like said that to him. I'm kind of like going along with like what her mind was thinking. Cause she does, she says later, like, in some interviews, she's like, he just, he didn't know how to control his anger. And I just didn't feel like him moving somewhere else was going to, like, solve that issue, you know? And so she doesn't want him to go. And so to try and prevent that from happening, she buys all new furniture for him. And buys, like, kind of, like, redoes the house and is like see how nice this place is all new furniture here like you don't want to go to arizona you want to stay here with all this grand brand new furniture and all that stuff that's a really interesting tactic I know. you know what's what? funny is i thought so too i was like i was like i don't know if that would like get me to want to stay i feel like i would just be like okay um I'm pretty confused i'm not gonna lie i'd be like oh yeah um but it's we know at this point that Todd has insane anger issues. And so instead of just being like, hey, mom, this doesn't really work for me. I still want to go to Arizona. He takes a claw hammer and destroys all of the furniture. Um, at that point, I might just be like, yeah, you should leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So kind of that's exactly what Regina later says, because she says when now during this interview that she's talking about this, um, mm -hmm. the person that's interviewing her says, you know, did you fear for your life? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh... So after that, she allowed him to go live with 
uh, his biological father, William Samsel, in Tempe, Arizona, because she feared that Todd might harm her. Yeah, I would. Yeah. That's also about how scary that feeling probably. Yeah. My kid honestly could kill me or like yeah. hurt some way. Like, I, I don't even have kids and like, hmm, no. Like, that's no, all. Literally. Terrifying. Like, that's absolutely, absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, in 1983, Todd went to Tempe, Arizona. Now, this would put him at about 12. Okay. So, yeah, 12 or 13, depending on, like, what, you know, date. So, for a bit, it seemed that when he was in Tempe, Arizona with William, that he enjoyed it there. And apparently, him and his father actually would do some father-son things together they would enjoy making bombs and blowing things up together yeah i was gonna say (laughs) you know what really helps when you have anger issues making bombs and just just destroying things so yeah there is that they would blow things up together and i do believe that his father lived on like kind of like a a lot of land type thing like kind of so they would like just go out on this fields and just blow stuff up oh, woo-hoo. yeah so his father though william for a little while like i said they got along super well but i mean his father was has not been a father for 12 years he left when he was two, so I guess that would be like 10 years, but he hasn't been a father to this, to this kid in forever. So William spent a lot of his time on dates and out with women and just kind of not really around Todd. You know, yeah. his attention was elsewhere and not on Todd, which was obviously what Todd wanted. So this became an issue. And I'm also assuming that growing up, with an abusive stepfather, an abusive grandfather, and his mother who didn't abuse him, but also didn't, like, try to stop the abuse. Yeah. Like, I'm guessing that he kind of thought that when he moved to Tempe, Arizona with William, that that negligence was going to stop, you know? And he was going to have this amazing relationship with his father because this is his biological father he had such high hopes for this todd did that's really sad actually i know (laughs) it is really sad and i actually this what made me even more sad is when i was like reading this um regina tag says that there was one time that she one time and one time only that she saw todd genuinely like hurt and that was when his step siblings were picked up from school and Mm -hmm. he was not he was left there and he was forced to kind of like walk home and like it was a long walk home like by himself yeah and so she she said that was the first time that i truly saw like genuine hurt we left him like his dad or i think his stepfather carl like picked up his kids because like that would be todd's step siblings um yeah i would be so pissed off if my like husband did that exactly um i think so too i actually did read that um regina got fed up with the abuse and then and then divorced carl but then remarried him i only read that in one source though so i don't know if that's for sure true but even if it is like why would you why would you remarry him (laughs) 
okay. Um, But basically, Todd was realizing now, you know, here I am. He's around. So he's, he's been with his dad now for a few years. So he is now around 15 years old, by the way. Okay. So he's starting to realize that this isn't exactly, you know, what he wanted and for a little bit it was fine and sometimes it is but the neg- but the negligence is still there his father is not a father to him yeah <laughs> and he's still a kid like he needs attention and love and he wants that so like you should ask for that as a child which is like really sad but exactly exactly so after he re- after Todd realizes this he wants to go back to South Carolina with his mom and his stepfather so he calls him up and he's like he doesn't ask he demands that they take him back and that he comes back to them but okay yeah so you know great his mother obviously though can't really blame her she doesn't want him oof yeah Yeah, she's, I can't blame her because, I mean, I can in some ways because, like, I feel like a part of her was, like, I just don't really want to, like, deal with him again. Um, But he's still a kid, you know? That has something to do with his stepdad? Yeah, honestly, it probably does. It didn't say it, but I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume it probably had a big thing to do with Carl. So his mom is like, no, you know, Todd, you're over there. We're okay here. I just don't really think that that's a good idea basically so he does stay in arizona and his anger issues and his temper only grew much much worse gosh and it eventually overflowed oh my gosh so william samsell one day leaves 15 year old todd colehep alone which wasn't uncommon because like i said before he's not a good dad and he would spend a lot of his time you know out with girls and all that stuff but what was different was that this time he left him for two full days oh okay yeah like didn't come home for two full days and this unfortunately pushed todd's anger to the breaking point and on November 25th, 1986, Todd, who's 15, kidnapped a 14-year-old girl. What? Yes. So this was, like, during when his, like, his dad, his dad had been gone for, like, a day. And so he was angry that his dad didn't come home that night. So he was, like, oh. it was, like, I have the house to myself. You just literally kidnap another person? Like, that's yeah. that that's his way of processing this. So he goes out, kidnaps a 14-year-old girl who is one of, like, the neighbors. Like, she lives down the street. Now, he threatens her with a 22 caliber revolver. Where are you getting this? His dad. It was his dad's gun. <sighs> he brings her back to his home, at basically at gunpoint. He ties her up, tapes her mouth shut, and rapes her. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's- he is 15 at this point. And okay. afterwards, he walks her home, still at gunpoint, and threatens to kill her entire family if she tells anyone about what just happened. 
Okay. Yeah. So let's just take a second to like literally be in complete awe of what the actual fuck just happened, basically. So I am having a hard time processing. <laughs> no, as you should. As you should. So as we know, Todd has had some serious behavior issues in the past, but this right here is like, this was kind of a breaking, like he had not done something like this before. This was a tip top climax point. Well, it's not, not in his lifetime, but like for, for right now. Yes. Like he exploded basically. This is like insane. Yeah. So thank goodness, though, that this girl, which you can't find her name because, like, anywhere, because she doesn't want it to be known, you know, it makes sense. I said she doesn't have to. She was a minor. Exactly. Exactly. So thank goodness, though, that this girl, it did, like, him threatening her family, it didn't stop her from, like, running to her parents and being like, help me. I was just raped. Called cops immediately. It was Todd. So Todd was charged with kidnapping sexual assault and committing a dangerous crime against children like he was he was arrested like that night good yeah didn't like he it wasn't this wasn't like a you know oh my gosh nothing happened no he was literally they were like okay you just did this what the hell we're gonna arrest you well yeah like i'm sorry what did you think was gonna happen she was gonna go home and say nothing exactly exactly Oh, one, one other thing that we kind of eventually see is this man is a full-on narcissist. Same thing as uh, David Parker Ray. Like, he literally was just like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Like, I just need these criminals to stay absolutely beyond stupid. Please. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I just, it's so funny when you sit and you're like, what are you, like, are you, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, thank you. What's yeah. that TikTok sound like? Thank you for being so stupid. <laughs> yes, thank you for being so meter meter freaking. What what is that? Meter freaking, mother freaking stupid. I don't, I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was either. But we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna move on. Move on. <laughs> so this is why I hate plea deals. Sometimes, sometimes you know they got happen. I get it. It's the justice system. But like sometimes plea deals yeah. make me angry. So in 1987. Todd took a plea deal and pleaded guilty to the kidnapping charge and the other charges were dropped. Of course. Yeah. So sexual assault, like rape, that was dropped. It was literally just charged with kidnapping, which just angers me because I just don't like the idea that like that wasn't. I would love to know why they're dropped. Like, truly. No, 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 no. Like, it happened. (laughs) Exactly. Like, it happened. But, of course, you know, they were like, hey, if you plead guilty to it, then we'll we'll drop the other charges. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I will say that it's not whatever. But I at least he also had to be registered for the rest of his life as a sex offender wherever he went. So... He pleaded guilty to the kidnapping charge and other charges were dropped. He was sentenced to 15 years in prison and registered as a sex offender for the rest of his life. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you guys something absolutely terrifying and horrible and awful. Todd um, told a probation officer or 
what is like the officers like in the prisons that like that like that are there a correction oh i was like i have no idea what you're talking about okay i see a correct somebody that was that worked in the prison when he was there they told he todd told him like when when they questioned him about the crime kind of like so why'd you do it you know why'd you rape this girl Uh he said it could have todd said well it could have been an act of rebellion because my father was like out of town or and then he also ended up saying i was upset with the girl because she had a crush on my friends but she wasn't interested in me cry me a river literally i don't care literally remember remember the girl that he like stabs yeah because because he's like well she didn't like me like this this man oh my gosh like you're a baby (laughs) you are a literal i just he's a monster like that's so oh so yeah so she doesn't like you so what am i gonna do yeah i'm gonna go kidnap her scare her to death and then rape her and then i'm gonna bring her back and be like hey i'm gonna kill your family now oh my god yeah and later we're gonna talk about something else and me and you grace are just gonna absolutely fucking just scream okay Okay. so this man is a disgusting pathetic person (laughs) yay anyway let's move on so he also had a mental health evaluation before entering prison in 1987. Okay. And according to a psychological evaluation, Kolhep described his attitude toward himself as like negative. He repeatedly, repeatedly asked what? himself, like during this evaluation, he was like, yeah, like I. I don't like myself. Like I'm insecure. And he would ask himself things like, why do I do things like this? I'm such a bad person. I feel badly. I feel like I hurt people. I can hurt. I want to hurt people. And I don't know why I want to hurt stuff like that in his evaluation. Okay. (laughs) So like, almost like he's trying to, I kind of see it as, okay, my move, like, this is, like, Todd talking to himself, like, my move is that I'm going to basically, like, crap on myself and make it sound like I'm not a bad person at heart and I wish I could have help and I hate that. Because the truth is, is he is a bad person. Yeah, he is. And the truth is, is that he, he wants to do this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, he enjoys this. Yeah. So the fact that he's like, the fact that he's like, I see myself as negative, and I'm a, I'm a bad person. I feel so badly. Like, I, that's bullshit. That's complete bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. So, according to court records, uh, Todd Kohlhepp ended up being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and was noted as having, and <laughs> this just, like, makes me laugh, because... Okay. He was noted as having an above average IQ of 118. Okay. So people, they were like, he's extremely smart. I don't really know what, like, what the, what the IQ levels, what the actual scores are. I don't really know what's, like, what's low and high. Uh-huh. But I do think 118 is, like, high. But I believe that they're saying, so he, he, he's smart in the aspect of, like, educational and, you'll hear this later like he gets a couple degrees and stuff and like so sure he excels in like educational school stuff but 
he is not smart. He's not street smart. He's an idiot. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a dumbass in like street like street smarts. Like he has he has nothing going for him in that aspect. You know. Yeah. So, as I said, Todd Cole had served a total of fifteen years for the kidnapping of the young girl, and in August two thousand and one, he was released. The judge that convicted him actually said that he saw Todd as quote, very bright and should be advanced academically, but behaviorally and emotionally, he's extremely dangerous, unquote. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, all right, maybe don't give him a little, that little, like, yeah, he's, like, super bright, but he's, like, really dangerous. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. So while he was in prison, Todd was anything but a model prisoner. Of course. Why would he be? Exactly. I think we could all call that one. He was constantly causing fights. And at one point, he even tried to make a shiv. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, he talked back to all the prison, gu- prison guards. That's what it's called. He talked back to all the prison guards and it was just horrible. Like, you know, just like things where, like, you can tell he thinks he's cool being like, hey, man, I'm going to rough you up. Like, just like, okay, dude. Like, when they were out in the yard, he'd be start, he'd shove people around, start fights, attempt to start riots and stuff. Um, none, none of the other prisoners liked him. They didn't know. He didn't get along with anyone. He ended up in solitary a lot. Yeah. So there was, I mean, he wasn't going to anyway, but he, there was no way that he was ever going to, like, get out early on good behavior which is funny because i feel like a lot of times you hear that in cases like this it's like well yeah he was released early on good behavior no in prison while he served his time he actually graduated from central arizona college with a bachelor's degree in computer science okay yeah so once he was released he ended up going back to south carolina um, he didn't move back in with his mom, though. He he just went to South Carolina and, like, just wanted mm-hmm. to be there. Yeah. Um, and as I said before, um, he was now a registered sex offender, so he brought that title back with him to South Carolina. Um, and he seemed to slightly get his life together there a little bit. Um, obviously, he made some horrible 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 thing he he, mistakes in the past like he did some horrible things but it seemed to people around him that he was starting to get his life together now this is 2001 he he's but he's 30 now because he went in when he was 15 he's getting out at like 30 31 okay so thinking maybe it did work maybe he's finally actually gonna grow the heck up exactly exactly like it seemed like maybe prison even though he didn't he didn't you know like act well while he was there i mean he did get a bachelor's degree in computer science maybe he's kind of getting his shit together so from january 2002 to november 2003 he worked as a graphic designer for a company in spartanburg okay now he worked there um until november 2003 like i said and then he ended up going back to school and getting another bachelor's degree in business. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So 
Um, that lasts, obviously, like, getting another bachelor's degree takes, you know, a couple years. So, in 2006, after he had his degree in business, he lied on his paperwork, like a, like his, um, okay, <laughs> his, uh, like, resume and just, I guess, I guess any kind of paperwork you would, you would need to obtain a real estate license. He lied on it and no. didn't say that he was a sex offender, which you are supposed to do, like, legally you yeah. have to do because you're a sex offender exactly and i but here's the thing though is i mean there's ways to like check that so no one checked anything and he ended up getting his real estate license he took the exam and he got the real estate license and another little interesting fact um the same year in 2006 he actually became um he took his pilot's license like he he did that like he just got his pilot's license what's happening right now i know and he became a private airplane pilot where like people could um it wasn't like a full-time thing but he would like allow rich families to like allow like to, to be like hey like i will hire you to fly me on my fucking jet (laughs) my private jet so he did that sometimes too and so i think like it was one of those things where he's kind of just like doing a bunch of stuff now like he's like yeah like i have my real estate license i'm starting that up kind of a bunch of like self-employed stuff where he was like you know i'm doing this i i got my my pilot's license and i'm flying people around sometimes so kind of just making money where he can yeah i mean he's low-key like He's kind of living an interesting life currently, not going to lie. Exactly. Now, as we said before, he was he was pretty smart in the aspect of, like, making money. Like, he kind of knew how to do what he had to do. So his real estate business grew pretty rapidly, and he ended up starting his own brokerage. I hate that I'm, like, being like, oh, man, cool. I know. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> Because it, it kind of makes you be like, damn, this guy was, like, going for it. Supporting you that you're, like, turning your life around. I'm not supporting you that you're lying that you're a rapist slash, like, sex offender. So. Yeah, exactly. So his real estate business grew super rapidly. And he ended, like, he ran it right from um, his home in Moore, South Carolina. Because he started making money and he bought a house in Moore, South Carolina. And he actually, um, he, he, through life, like he bought a few different properties just kind of because he could and he invested in it. So he had a few different, like small properties in different states, but he resided in Moore, South Carolina at his home there. Okay. So, Eventually, in 2014, so 2006 to 2014, he's growing his businesses, he's doing a bunch of stuff, he's, he's making money. Yeah. Um, so in 2014, that would put him at, let's see, in 2006, no, he was 30 when he got out in 2001. In 2006, that puts him at 35, right? Mm-hmm. 2014 would put him at, oh my god. Guys, you're figuring out how bad we are at math. <laughs> 2006 is 35 plus 10. That's 26 by 43. Guys, we maybe did it. I don't know. Okay. He, yeah, he's around 43. Okay. <laughs> in, in 2014, he purchases a property of around 95 acres in Woodruff, South Carolina. 
Yikes. <laughs> so I don't know if we connected the dots, but nope. that's where Kala was found. A 95-acre property in Woodrow, South Carolina. Now, this property is just woodland. Like, it's woods. Just fields and woods. There's nothing on it. He's just like... And it's kind of, it's pretty secluded, you know? It's one of those properties where you have, like, a mile-long gravel driveway to get to. <laughs> yeah. Where, like... If I was, like, deliver, if I was a mail person and I was delivering mail, I'd be like, um, yeah, no. I'm not doing that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'd be like, I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. I'm going to leave it at the end of this driveway right here. So, <laughs> many people, by the way, had just, like, glowing things to say about Todd. You don't know who a person is. Exactly. Exactly. They would say that he was extremely outgoing and friendly. I bet. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. A lot of people would say he was, you know, like I said, yeah, he's super nice, super outgoing. Just he's got a great work work ethic. A lot of people said that. But a lot of people had the complete opposite to say. Yikes. It was a very 50-50 thing. Like some people either liked this man a lot. Or you just were like, get the, I don't like this. Do, do not, do not be near me. Yeah. You know? Do you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he would go to a lot of local restaurants around, you know, where he lived in Moore, South Carolina. And at the Waffle House. Wait, what's, what's the Obro song? The Waffle House. At the Waffle House. I can't do it. I'm not going to sing. Side note, did you see Lana Del Rey was spotted in an Alabama Waffle House as a waitress? <gasps> Shut up. Maybe it wasn't exactly a Waffle House. Maybe it was just that she was a waitress, but Waffle House made me think about it. Oh my gosh, dude. I will admit, the Waffle House is hella good. I know, right? Their waffles are... I kind of want waffles now. Anyway. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Love not, you, Waffle Not trying to go off tangent here. Okay. So he was spotted a lot, a lot of like the local restaurants around and especially at the Waffle House in Roebuck, South Carolina. And a lot of the waitresses there would later say, yeah, like they basically said, I thought he was a creep because he would constantly slip little like sexual innuendos while talking to us. And, you know, you can totally like picture that. You know what I mean? Oh. You know, those guys... Where, like, you're a waitress, and then they're like, oh, sweetheart, like, give me a little something, and I'll give you a little... You're like, what? What? No. Like, let me, let me see that smile. You're like, okay. He was that guy. He was the guy that would, like, chill. Oh. I know. that, And, you're, you're, and like, as a waitress, you're just like, okay. All right. All right. Right. Then. Yeah. So there was one waitress there by the name of Megan McCraw-Coxie. Ooh, okay. McCraw Coxie, it was like she was married and she kept her, like she hyphenated her. her That's a cool name. Yeah. So he actually ended up, like they would talk sometimes because she was a waitress there. And um, they actually ended up hiring her, or sorry, he, sorry, he hired her um, and her husband, Johnny Coxie, to kind of just like help take care of his property and like other properties because that's what he, he would do that. Like sometimes he would hire people to help him because he was like a real estate person. Like he'd be like, Hey, I have a showing. I need your help to go like clean up this house. I'll pay you, you know, here's the keys you guys go. And so he would hire people like that a lot. Yeah. So he like was talking to her and he was like, if you want to make some extra money, um, I have a property in Woodruff. 
it's about 95 acres and I would love your help to just kind of like kind of help clean the property a bit like let's make it look better because he was saying like I want to eventually sell it so this was sometime in 2015 that he Mm -hmm. said that he asked Megan and Johnny to do this now on December 22nd 2015 Megan and her husband were reported missing dun 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 yes so now Let's take ourselves again back to November 3rd, 2016. Uh-huh. Kala Brown has just been rescued. Her and her boyfriend, Charles Carver, had been missing for two months. About two months. They went missing over Labor Day weekend, 2016. Uh-huh. Now, we know now that Todd had killed her boyfriend, Charles, and kept Kala hostage. Yeah. Let's just kind of, like, talk a little bit about Kala and Charles from, like, the the amount of information I could get from them. So sure. Kala Brown is just described as this happy, positive, beautiful person. Um, she really is. Um, I will definitely be po- – like, whenever you guys hear this, you'll see on, the, on our Instagram, like, a picture of her and Charles. They were so cute together. There's a lot of, like, really adorable pictures where they're just kind of, like – just up close like like you can tell that like they loved each other you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and both beautiful people her friends Kala's friends all said that she was like one of the most or she is sorry she's alive she is one of the most selfless people that they know and I thought it was really sweet her friend Dan Heron said quote Kala Brown is a very good friend of mine she's really a wonderful per She's really a wonderful person. She always wants to please people. One day, Kala met Charlie. She said that they had a love that went beyond anything superficial. Cool. I know. Like, isn't that so sweet? And I also want to say her friends, like, from the sources I read, like, when her friends thought for a second that, like, her and Charles were missing, they didn't waste a single freaking second. Like... I love that. I know. They literally were like, nope, something's wrong. And we're going, we're going to the police right away. Like they didn't, they didn't stop and think like, well, maybe that they're just not, you know, no, they, they were like, no, we're helping them. These you just know. Seriously. I know. I love that because you hear so much about things that's like, well, I, I couldn't get a hold of them, but I just thought, and like, I, I get it. Like you don't go straight to like, you, you, you never go straight to, you know, I think that they might be kidnapped, but like, right. <laughs> I just love that her friends were like, we're not wasting a second. Her family was like, nope. So, and same with Charles. So Charles Carver, he was also a beautiful soul, really kind person. People also said that he was like really selfless. He wanted to help people and he just had such a passion for life and for Kala. Mm-hmm. Him and Kala, so obvious from my research that they both loved each other so, so much. And all of their friends also loved their relationship. That is amazing because your relationship blooms even more when, like, your friends and your family all also love you, like, love you guys together. Right. You know what I mean? Now, Charles's mother, Joanne Shiftlet, said... Quote, Charles David Carver is my son. He's my firstborn, and he could bring a smile to the saddest person. He loved to laugh and to make everyone else laugh, too. That's breaking my heart right now. 
I know. And his father, Chuck Carver, said, quote, he never hurt anybody. He would give you the shirt off his back or the last $2 in his pocket. That was just the guy he was. So I love that. And that's just, it's so sweet. Right. (laughs) Also, it just kills me inside because, of course, like, it's just these amazing people that are taken out of this world. I mean, I know that Carlos survived, but, you know, Charles, like I said, Todd killed him. And it's just horrible people take advantage of kind people and everybody and it just sucks yeah it really does so several days after Kala Brown and Charlie Carver went missing Carver's mother Joanne Shiftlet became super concerned that she hadn't heard from him obviously and initially she thought that he was kind of like simply sleeping after his 12-hour work shifts because he worked 12-hour work shifts I would be zonked afterwards. Yeah, I would be like, don't talk to me ever for like, until I, until I text you, don't text me. (laughs) (laughs) But as the days went on, she knew something was wrong. Meanwhile, one of Kala Brown's friends was also growing sus about why she hadn't heard from, from Kala or Charlie. And she reported Brown's missing. And she, she reported Kala Brown missing after she saw Brown's car outside of, Brown's apartment but it was like still radio silence from her friend so so she's like okay I drove to Kala's apartment and her car is there so why am I not hearing anything from her I don't like this so she immediately reported her missing to to authorities now this gets pretty interesting when strange posts start appearing on their Facebook accounts Kala and Harley's and this is after they were reported missing so odd Facebook statuses and like posts start suggesting that like Brown and Carver, well, we're all good. They, it was things like we got married, we no. purchased a house together. <laughs> no, we're living we're living happily ever after, guys. Don't worry about us. We just eloped and we just moved away. We're just suddenly never talking to anybody again. Yeah, literally. So, obviously, friends and family are like, um, okay, so y'all are not responding to any calls or texts. Yup. But you're going to post that you're married. Yeah, somehow you're on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, they, they immediately were like, yeah, we're calling bullshit. Yeah. We're calling bullshit because that's stupid. No. And they immediately knew that it was fake. So, eventually, the investigators were able to get a warrant for the access into Kala's Facebook, like, so that they could look at all the messages and basically just, you know, hack it. And they found messages pertaining to Todd Colehead. Not to Todd, but, like, talking about a man named Todd Colehead. And the messages were basically saying that she was going to be doing some work for Todd at his property. Ugh. Yeah, so this is not the first time that she had done work for Todd. Kala had actually known Todd for five years. What? Yes, before he abducted her. An ex-boyfriend of Kala's had actually introduced her to Todd, um, and Todd then offered Kala jobs to earn extra cash, and she had helped him out before with his real estate business. Kind of the same thing that he, that remember I said that he hired Megan to do. Yeah. Which was like, hey, like, 
can you just go and, you know, clean some properties and I'm, I'm having a showing, help me with that kind of stuff. And so yeah. she's, she had done that for quite a few years and she didn't like know him, know him. It was more so just like, yeah, I know Todd, like I've worked for him a few times, yeah. you know, a couple of years have gone by and I've done some work for him. So yeah. that was kind of the relationship that they had. So investigators got, they, after they had access to her Facebook, they eventually got access to Kala and Charles phone records. Okay. And the last place that the phone could was the property. Oof. Yeah. Okay. So the 95 acre property. And obviously when authorities arrived, they searched the property, they heard banging. That leads us to the rescue of Kala Brown. Now, when they found her in the storage unit, they make sure she's okay, obviously. And of course, you know, they ask her, where's Charles? Which is when she replies, he shot him, meaning Todd shot him. Oh, my stomach. That makes me like feel sick. I know. And we learn that Todd shot him like right in front of her. Oh. Yeah. Talk about the emotional distress. She's under just being in there and then knowing that you're like, long-term significant other just got murdered in front of you yes yes no like when i read that grace i literally like i had to stop for a second and literally just be like oh my gosh like i can't even imagine being like i have to like i'm just getting out of this like you guys have just rescued me and i have to now talk to you about watching the love of my life get shot in front of me or even just like living that nightmare for as long as she did yes like oh oh Yes, like, it's horrible. Now, Kala says that she and Charlie went to Todd's house, not the property right away, this is the house in Moore, South Carolina, to pick up the keys to the property that he had requested her help for. Okay. Um, But this time, Todd actually said, okay, well, I'm going to have to drive drive out with you guys to the property because um, it's my personal property and I have to unlock the fence for you guys to let you in. Blah, blah, blah. Thus, but okay. Yeah. So Kala does say she was like, you know, I didn't seem weird at first, but obviously looking back now, that's pretty Well, yeah, I've been kidnapped here for two months. Yeah, it was pretty weird. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So when she first got to the property, Todd tells them to, like, they they get out of their cars because they drive separately. Like, they kind of follow Todd there. and. Kala and Charles get out of the car. Todd says, just wait really quick. I'm going to run inside this shed. I'm going to grab some stuff to, you know, work with, and I'll come back out. You just wait right there. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, I know. So. I had, like, a terrible gut feeling at that point. I can't even imagine. I know. I know. That's, and that's what kills me is it's like, but it's the fact that she was, she talks to Dr. Phil later on, Kala does, and she says, I just, like, I didn't. Like, I had done work for him before. I just was like, yeah, like, I'll wait right here. You know, I'm chilling. Like, her and her and Charlie were just kind of, like, laughing back and forth, just talking. I mean, you don't think people have bad intentions. Exactly, exactly. And so Todd comes back out, but he doesn't come back out with tools to work with. He comes back out with a gun and, without hesitation, shoots Charlie three times in the chest. Gosh! Yes, right in front of Kala. Oh my! So 
honestly, like it every time I read that, like I, I have to like take a second because I, I just I can't even imagine the pure shock like, processing that in the moment. Yeah. Like, wow! I, mean, I honestly don't think you you could process it that fast. No. She watches the love of her life get shot like right in front of her, and she says that it. She said it was so sudden that she just went completely numb. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And and Todd then begins pulling her away by her wrists, and she she recalls him, she, or she she recalls like literally just allowing Todd to like pull her because she was so completely in shock yep. that she literally yep. was like she was literally just like walking with him like okay yes like what is happening right now you know so sad like she kind of was like I didn't even really try to pull away I was so in shock and so numb which like yeah like holy crap and 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 Todd 100% he he did that for one he did that because in his and Todd's head he didn't have he says this he's like I don't I didn't have any use for Charlie but I also believe it was a mental like way of a, like making sure Kala was going to do whatever he said. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. And so, as Todd is pulling her away, he's saying things like, "Let's go, or you're going to join Charlie. If you don't do what I say, you're going to join Charlie." Sir, I'm not processing anything currently. Like <laughs> I know, I know. I also am just like you're. You disgust me. I like, just wow. I would literally just look at him and just be like, I. I just have so much hatred towards you. Like, so much hatred. I don't care what... I don't hatred. care what happens to you ever. Right? Like, I'm, like, trying to put myself in her shoes. And, like, she's probably hearing, like, the Charlie Brown teacher voice. She's probably not hearing any anything he's actually saying. Yes. Why was that such a great reference, too? Thank you. <laughs> that was amazing. That really was. I was trying to, like, put it into words. I was like, maybe this is dumb. <laughs> no, that's, that's... That's what she hears. It's just... Wah, 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 wah. like literally let us you guys have ever experienced that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Kala tells Dr. Phil later uh, quote Todd Colehab shot Charlie Carver three times in the chest wrapped him in a blue tarp and put him in the bucket of a tractor locked me down here and I've never seen him again wow I know it just it kills me that I've never seen him again like I never saw Charlie again like I can't that makes me, like, sick to my stomach. I know, I know. Like, one day he's right there, one, or one second he's right there, the next you never see him again. Like, I can't even imagine. And what really disgusts me, well, I mean, all of this does, but one thing that sticks out is it's, like, Todd just wrapped Charlie in a tarp and just left him yeah. sitting in a tractor. So callous and, like, inhumane. Yeah, that's, ex- that's exactly what it is. It's just inhumane. It's horrible. So Kala said that once um, Todd had chained her up, he was like completely calm. Really? Like he was super calm and collected after he like chained her up as if kind of like narcissistic quality. Like, yeah, I'm good. Like I'm, I, I got basically just like, he's like, I'm chilling. Like nothing's, we're good. Like I'm not going to get caught, you know? And after he chains her up, he looks at her and like I said, super calmly just goes, I have to go take care of Charlie now. And just walks out. He walks out of the storage container. What? Yeah. Like, that poor woman has got to be so terrible at this point. Wow. 
Yeah. So now she is in this storage container. Yeah. And when he, the first week of her, of Kala being there, she says that when, when, so when he chained her, he chained her, he originally chained her wrists behind her back together. Uh Her, her, her ankles were bound together. And he didn't originally chain her neck. um, But like, she says for the first week, like she, there was no moving. Like she couldn't, she didn't have any kind of like wiggle room. Yeah. There was no wiggle room. So she's sitting there in the dark with no wiggle room in this, you know, dark, dusty, gross storage container. And he's just like, all right, I got to go take care of Charlie. And she's still processing what happened to Charlie. Oh my God. I know. So she, um, when that when they rescued her, she she held nothing back and told them ex- told the investigators ex- exactly what he did to her and even told them about the other crimes he committed. And there's a video of Kala answering the detectives' questions that I watched um, in in the ambulance, like literally in the ambulance as she's leaving this property. Like immediately, she was like, "I'm gonna tell you guys everything you need to know so that you can get this man behind bars." She's so brave. I know. Like, she is so strong and so brave because, like, talking to them about this, she had to relive that in her mind. Yeah. But I am just, like, I literally was watching this and I was like, you're a badass. Like, she's like, no, I'm telling you what you need to know because I love this man. Good for her. Holy crap. Yes. So Kala proceeds to tell them that she, like I said, had been chained by her ankles and her arms. And for the first week, you know, she could not move at all. Now, yeah. eventually, he, um, eventually Todd, like, changed it so that her arms were in front of her, so they weren't behind her, so she had a little more, like, room to kind of, like, move her arms around a bit. Her ankles yeah. were still chained, um, and then she also was chained by her neck at some point, but I don't, I don't think that was all the time. I think that was, like, okay. sometimes. Okay. So, warning, by the way, what I'm about to talk about. This next part involves sexual assault. So if you guys oh, skip ahead a little bit, go ahead. We love it. Part would not come. Yeah. Yeah. So Kala tells the detective, quote, he would get there between one and three o'clock every day, take me up to the main building, meaning the shed, feed me, make me do whatever he wanted sexually, and then he would put me back in the storage container. So, it was a everyday routine for two months. That's horrific. And the, the fact that it was so routine that she says, like, she can recall it was between 1 and 3 o'clock every day. And that's what he would do. He'd take me up to the building. He'd feed me. And then he would make me do whatever he wanted me to do sexually. And then he would just take me back. And what she says next completely completely i mean this this already destroys me but it completely destroys me and it just makes me so fucking mad so she's telling i i still am like i'm in awe at the strength of this woman for being like for being right? able to like re, to, re, to replay this in her head right now but she goes on and she says she says quote and then he would always come back between five and seven Take me back up to the building. Feed me again. Most of the time, I'd do whatever he wanted sexually. If I refused to do anything he wanted, if I said no, 
he didn't force himself on me. He said he didn't believe in rape, but he made it very well known why I was there. And if I wasn't useful, then I wouldn't need to be kept any longer. And then he would shoot me. Wow. Yeah. That enrages me. It enrages me because he's going to say, I don't believe in rape. But also, if you don't do what I want you to do, I, I will shoot you. Wow. Yeah. You're so honorable. Thank you. I know. I know. Oh, that's, that's what gets me. It's like, oh, wow. Thank you. Oh, my God. You're just, I guess you, you know, you're a good dude. Also, like, you want to the hell up. <laughs> because you already raped a, a 14-year-old girl when you were 15. Like, like this is also, like, uh, that's yeah. just horrible. I also, okay, I hate the idea that he put it in Kala's head of, like, almost that almost a way of, like, making her believe that she did that of her own volition. Exactly. Like, she was a... Exactly. Like, she was willing to, to do that, which... And I'm like, don't you dare go there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That... It just makes me want to blood curl scream at this man. But this, 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 this girl, Kala, is a freaking badass. She went through this, and she survived. She was... She knew how to play smart with this. Like, a mother freaking badass. And uh, apparently Todd even told her at some point that he was going to, like, build another property on this. Or he was going to build an- another building on this property and make, like, a soundproof room for her. And, okay. like, she would never be found, you know? Because, like, she doesn't realize that she's ever going to be found. And she later says, I'm pretty sure I thought I was going to die. What a piece of crap. So, like, to, to, to hear someone, like, your, your, your kidnapper say, I'm going to build a soundproof room. You're never going to be found. If you scream, no one's going to hear you. You know, That's- I'm going to kill you. Like, you don't know the, the future. Like, obviously, looking back now, she realizes, like, I was going to be, I was going to be found. But you don't know at the time. It's hindsight's 2020. Like Exactly. Exactly. So, Detective Walsh is the man in the in the ambulance asking her questions. And he asks her, he says, did he ever tell you, meaning Todd, like, did Todd ever tell you how many people he's killed out there? And Kala's answer literally shocked everybody to their core. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She said, quote, story-wise, he's told me about four. He also told me that a few years back, he walked into a bike shop in Anderson and shot four people and left and they never found out who did it. Now, yes, exactly. What is a very good answer? Like, excuse me, what? <laughs> yeah, so obviously this was crazy information and sent detectives searching more of his property. Immediately they were like, okay, guys, keep looking because she's saying that there's definitely more bodies. This is insane. <laughs> So when detectives searched more of Todd's 95-acre property, sure enough, they found two more bodies of two more missing people. The oh bodies of Megan McCraw Coxie and Johnny Joe Coxie. Holy crap. Yeah. Megan was the waitress I mentioned earlier that went missing, and Johnny was her husband. Megan was 25, and Johnny was 29. Oh now, God. unfortunately, I couldn't find much info on them. Um, 
But from what I could find, a lot of their family and friends said that they were, you know, super loving, kind people. Um, I also read in one of my sources, just one, so I don't know if this is for sure, because the only way that we'd be able to get this information is from Todd saying it. And, you know, I don't know if we believe it. Not a very reliable source. So, but apparently he says that he did hold Megan in the storage container too. Oh my god! For a couple days before he ended up killing her. So I think that that is just absolutely disgusting. So, Sick. I know. So once they had Todd in custody, cu- custody. Now, right away, they began not even questioning him, Grace. They were just telling him, like, yeah, so you're caught. <laughs> you're caught for murder. Whatever. Sorry, guy. <laughs> yeah, like, there's literally no question asked here. Like, there's no questions to ask. Like, you're, you're guilty as hell. You know? You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, you're an idiot. And so they're, they're basically, they tell him, like, you know, we've rescued Kala. She's told us everything. And then Todd starts playing dumb, being like, oh, who's Kala? <sighs> idiot i know he's like wait who's kala wait oh my gosh that's so sad that she was kidnapped i'm so glad she's safe like okay dude these people are so dumb they're stupid thank you now after quite a bit of back and forth he ends up confessing and then begs detectives which is interesting to allow him to tell his mother what he's done before she hears it elsewhere nope sorry no yeah like what the frick No, they end up, I'm sure she heard it before, but they end up, like, allowing him to talk to her. Um, So he tells her, like, his story, and then his mom wastes no time, Regina Tag, and tells the story to 48 Hours, which is, like, show. Regina, what? I know. So she goes on to 48 Hours, and this, I don't like this. This is, I really, like, lost respect for Regina a little bit right here. But she says... I want all of the people that got hurt to know that Todd is not a monster. He's never been one, and he had to kidnap that girl because she witnessed him killing someone, so he couldn't let her go. But he's not a bad person. Yeah. (laughs) I know! Girl, what? Ma'am, I think he is a bad person. This man must be excellent at gaslighting, or this woman yeah. is an idiot. No, or- I think, I, I kind of think both. Because, I'm sorry, don't, I'm not sorry, actually. Don't ever, don't ever say to the people that he hurt, just know he's not a monster. Uh, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, no. Ma'am, like- he's a horrible person. Okay. <laughs> yeah oh so the next thing i'm gonna cut this is a really this is a really quick thing because i didn't want to focus on this but in the beginning i said that he was known as the amazon review killer right yeah so investigators found they obviously found this later after he was caught um oh. but they found out that in may 2014 an amazon user known as me like, just, 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 it just said me. Like, oh, that's the name of this user, me. Um, which is already kind of, like, super freaking creepy and weird. Hello. <laughs> but this this user started leaving reviews for items that they purchased on the Amazon website. I don't like this. I know. <laughs> you shouldn't. Now, of course, though, because Todd's an idiot, 
the user's wish list, because you know how like you can have an Amazon wish list, yeah. was linked to another user's wish list. And that user was Todd Kolhap. Oh my god. Stupid. <laughs> now oh. here's the here's the sick part. His reviews said things like, "quote Haven't stabbed anyone yet, but I am keeping the dream alive. And when I do, it will be with a quality tool like this." What? Yeah, that was the review for a pocket knife. Yeah. Wh- yeah. What? That was posted on September thirteenth, twenty fourteen. So oh, by the way, this started, um, his, his like Amazon, his sick reviews started basically around the time that he bought that 95 acre property. So it was almost like he was like getting ready to like do these horrible crimes, commit them. Yeah. So another sick review reads, quote, keep in car for when you have to hide the bodies and you left the full size shovel at home does not oh. come with a midget, which would have been nice. Oh my god, that's not funny at all. It's not funny. That was for a shovel. And that's the thing, is he's making these, like, sick jokes about this. Like, it's just disgusting. This man is insane. He's insane. And this is what, this is what got him known as the Amazon Review Killer. And I didn't want to go much into it, because this is just not the story that needs to be told. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, not- like, it's not funny. It's, it's not, like, I don't want it to be like, oh yeah, like, he's known as the Amazon Review Killer, because... Because he, you know, posted these sick reviews. Because the point of me telling this story is to talk about his victim stories and his justice. I'm not, like, I didn't want to, like, be like, oh, let me just, like, take an hour and talk about these horrible reviews, you know? That's just insane to me that, like, it sucks to you because, like, nobody's monitoring that stuff. Exactly. And, like, think of how many stupid things people say on the internet. Like, and that's, that's yeah. the thing is how many people saw that and they were like, oh, that's sick. But they didn't think, oh, he might actually be a freaking serial killer. Yeah. You know? So, Todd eventually, like I said, confessed to killing Megan, Johnny, Charlie, and shooting four people at a bike shop years ago. 13 years ago, to be exact. That was a cold case for 13 freaking years. Thank God it's solved. And, uh, yeah, it was known as the Superbike Murders. And honestly, this case is insane in itself. So let's talk about it in part two. <laughs> Stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Part two, we're going to go over this insane, and I mean insane, Superbike murder. And we're also going to talk about the justice that Todd gets and that Kala gets and everything. I was unprepared. That's uh, okay. I should say the justice that's given to Todd, not that he gets. Yeah, no, screw that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Y'all, I did not realize how long this was going to take. You guys, you guys won't hear it, but Grace actually stopped me like maybe 20 minutes ago. And she was like, hey, girl, are you going to make this a part two? <laughs> <laughs> it's been an hour. Yeah, she was like, we're hitting the hour mark. <laughs> I was too into this, though. I literally did not see the, oh, we're hitting you with a part two. I was unprepared. I know. I know! But yeah. Guys, this case is wild. You need to tell us 
think is gonna happen yes this- honestly let's just give another shout out to morgan wardrop because she was like thank hey, you, you. Should- yeah she was like you should do todd colehab and i was like okay yeah wow this is wild i know i know guys gosh that's crazy wow okay well I guess we will see you guys for part two then. Yes. Jeez. We're going to keep this um this exit pretty short because it's literally like an hour and 20 and 30 minutes almost. But guys. Oh yeah. Well, I guess, you know, uh, per the usual, I guess, uh, stay like not murdered. That yeah. would be cool. Like stay safe and stay not murdered. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right, guys. See you Bye. next week for part two. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at That's So Criminal. Send us a Gmail at That's So Criminal at gmail.com. And don't forget you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. Thank yes. you guys so much. We love you. Bye. Love you. <laughs>